Hello, humans. Hello, humans. It's Wednesday, December 28th, a little after 9. Another driving day. Got a lot of those this week, mainly because of the um, storm that hit. We had a major windstorm here. Uh, they said gusts up to 60. Uh, I don't think we quite got that at our area. I haven't uh, examined the uh, logs from the weather station yet. But like I say, I don't think it quite got that. It was a steady eh, 15 to 20 uh, with gusts up into the 30 range. It was a king tide. Uh, many towns throughout Puget Sound flooded. Uh, we had uh, major flooding here. Uh, the beach is all um, a little cut. I have to drive down to the beach uh, through. is just all jammed up with logs and crap. And so we didn't go to the dogs and I didn't go to the beach this morning, even though it's clear, uh, clearer, uh, simply because I didn't want to stop and <laughs> spend a half an hour heaving lumber or, you know, logs and, and sticks and stuff. Not lumber so much. Anyway, it's a um, uh, promises to be a stormy day again. We've got uh, a major uh, <laughs> climate moving in. Oh my God, we were attacked by the climate. Oh, oh, it was terrible. <laughs> I actually had damage to my house. And after I do all of my chores here today, I got to get the big ladder out and um, get up to the roof line and deal with some of the damage areas uh, before the next windstorm comes in. Problem with these kind of things is that if you get like a little bit of a, a twist or a tear or something in uh, one of your surfaces, it'll catch the wind the next time and give you that much more grief, so you need to deal with it uh, as it occurs. Now, <laughs> not in the middle of the storm or anything, but you know, there you go. Anyway, so... Um, wanted to talk about history today and uh, history in a very unusual sense and that is to say the stuff that's not there okay so um, the guys that I'm working with and and there's there's two women involved but they haven't put too much um, effort into the group uh, they've got their own issues going on where they're at they're not in the US and stuff so anyway uh, primarily it's males uh, but we approach things in sort of a, a or approaching our little bit of work here uh, with a bit of scientific method and and it dawns on me that and I express this to the other guys and so we've we've set about um, examining history uh, for what is not reported and you would think well you know um, how are you going to find uh, you know, um, stuff that isn't there in the sense that you, you wouldn't even know how to look for something that that you would mainly, maybe only suspect was not there. And um, here's our situation. So uh, we ask ourselves some questions and we say, uh, when was money invented? And when was currency invented? The two are not the same. 
okay? Currency is, is simply anything that can be passed uh, from person to person to allow a trade. So in that sense, uh, you could have a currency of wooden nickels, you could have a currency of gold coins, or you could have a currency of um, uh, diamonds or any number of things, as long as it can be passed between individuals. Money arises when the substance that is the uh, nominal, the titular um, uh, store of wealth does not pass between people. And so that, that's our working definition. It's very tricky. Once we get into this, it turns out to be um, quite the, the uh, big morass. So we don't know when money was invented. And we, but what we do know is that there's no explicit history written of the invention of money, nor its um, evolution over time prior to our modern day. So only in these last couple of centuries have we had any uh, descriptions of money. Now, within our historical record. Okay, so now we have to recognize that um, we, I've got some, some like, you know, paid historians, right? <laughs> that I'm not paying them, but these guys, that's what they do for a living. And they're throwing in the effort into our little, um, our little uh, group here, right? Uh, which is uh, Der Scheisberg Zwei. Uh, the second Scheisberg, okay. Um, anyway, so we, we ask ourselves, when was money invented as opposed to currency? We find records of currency going back through all the empires. We can find records of currency going back uh, millennia, you know, thousands of years. But we don't find records of money anywhere up until the last few centuries. But we know that that's not the case. We know that there were Chinese currencies made out of paper that were in circulation uh, 2,000 years ago that collapsed, uh, that, that we have a record of. And the only reason we have a record of them is because someone wrote down the hellacious times they went through as that currency collapsed. Uh, we note the um, uh, rise of the Greek empires, right? The Athene Athenian Empire, the Spartan Empire, etc. right? When these guys rose, these states rose, they started off on currency that was silver coinage with some small amounts of gold. Gold, it was a bimetallic, but gold was really not well thought of. It was mainly for uh, the state and state occasions, crowns and that kind of thing, right? Not really to be used um, as, as coinage, not to be used in circulation. At some point, we know that money was developed or was in use about uh, 600 uh, BC in a particular Athenian empire. But we don't have any record of it being created. We just have record of it becoming, uh, of, of being in existence. Casual notes that it existed. And there are um, people within our group that have gone to the trouble of saying there were books, we can find records of books written in antiquity, in which the other books that were also written in anti antiquity are mentioning these books and mentioning that they had something in them about the history of money, but not detailing what was in those books. So we have one book that's saying, hey, look, you know, so-and-so wrote this book and he talked about uh, money and my conclusions based on his writing are the following. And then, so it's just sort of like a footnote or an endnote or a, or a reference. And they didn't copy the book or the details or any of that. 
so we know that these books did indeed exist, but we don't find any record of them. So one of two of the guys that are that are the historians say that it is factually true that you can uh, since um, uh, 1420. Okay, so since 1420, uh, our historians here can um, show that the Kazarians dominated the booksellers. Okay, that they were uh, the dominant force in uh, book selling uh, and used books, and they still are today. And they also have a tendency to dominate the publishing business, which they grew into over time as uh, money took over. Now, bear in mind, money allows you to do things because you print the money and you don't have to have the wealth behind it and you can lie about it and uh, no one knows just how bankrupt your money really is based on uh, real wealth. And so it's a really a marvelous thing to have, these money situations. Anyway, we go back in our, in our data examination, reading the ancient Greek texts, reading um, hints about some Etruscan um, discussions of it, looking into the Chinese, the, the Sanskrit. There's a lot of, lot of stuff in Sanskrit that is about, uh, that is historically uh, very significant. Our problem is not very much of it's been translated. Sanskrit was, was with its offshoot, which we think were of its associated language of Pali, um, were the dominant languages in the uh, uh, Central Asia and um, the uh, Eurasian continent uh, for a long time. And then we had the Ice Age, and then we now have the remnants of those languages and those books uh, that, that need to be translated, and no one's ever done it. So truly, we don't know what's in there. Uh, there are efforts uh, on this to translate these, but there's so many volumes, and Sanskrit is so little known, and it's not um, very conducive to machine translation anyway for a number of reasons, uh, and so it's going to be slow going. Anyway, though, so our, our thing here is in history, there's a lot of stuff we don't know. So we factually know references to uh, other beings, okay? And these other beings have been uh, described as coming from the sky, coming from, from uh, space, uh, coming from another world. All of these kind of things exist in all the languages, in all history, and in all um, cultures, across all cultures. And wherever we find historical records, we will encounter some level of discussion of what I term space aliens. Uh, they may be hominids, it doesn't matter, right? In any event, though, so there is no lack of references to UFOs and space aliens, you know, people from the sky, within our historical record. But there's a 100% lack of who invented money, where did it first come into existence, uh, how did it uh, work in its early days. Uh, we know, for instance, that there were checks, actual checks written on paper uh, that were exchanged, so they were the currency, the check was the currency, being drawn against a uh, stable amount of wealth that was held elsewhere and thus meets the definition of money. And we know that the, these checks were in existence uh, 600 um, BC. We see evidence of this. We see the evidence of checks and um, a checking system of a sort uh, in uh, ancient Sumer. Uh, we see it 
all throughout uh, Europe, everywhere we look into historical record, we will find evidence that money was in existence in those cultures way the fuck back when. We even see uh, references um, obliquely to uh, money as opposed to currency in um, the Codex Oralinda, which was um, uh, codified in 800 AD. And it goes back to arguably uh, 200 BC. And so we know that there was there was money during that period of time in Central Europe and that one of the big problems that everybody had at that point was the name stealers, the Khazarians. Because the Khazarians would, uh, in, you'd have to travel to, to China from Europe, you'd basically have to go through the, um, the Caucasus and Ural Mountains, right? And so in there you would encounter Ukraine or Khazaria, same thing, same place. And the Khazarians would invite you in, they'd put you up in the best room in the house, give you a great meal, no charge, all of this kind of stuff, and kill you in your sleep. But before they would kill you, they would learn everything they could about you and take copious notes, and then after you were dead, they would take everything that you had with you, and one of them would impersonate you and would go on to... Uh, finish out your contract or whatever. So they would go and negotiate the contract in China, come back with no intention of ever delivering any of the goods, and they would so basically rip off both sides. And so we find references to the name stealers in Chinese literature, Mongolian literature, um, on both sides of the of Khazaria, people referred to them as the name stealers and the blood drinkers. Uh, so, all of that aside, we know that they were dealing with money and that in the uh, Codex Oralinda times, up to 800 AD, uh, there was uh, the Khazarians to deal with, the name stealers, and you had to be careful about money and you had to be careful about even about counterfeiting. So, this shit existed, but we don't have a record of who invented it, how it came into existence, or any of that. And this is quite deliberate. And so, we've set out... Uh, uh, Der Scheisberg Zweit, um, the second Scheisberg, uh, to uh, the crew here to locate other stuff that that doesn't show up, right? And so, uh, in our modern records, we we have no records of all of the buildings of Tartaria, uh, all of the the great fires, the Chicago fire. Go and look it up. When there was the Chicago fire, supposedly started by Mrs. O'Leary's cow, uh, which it was not. It was actually started by the Freemasons. The Freemasons burned down most of uh, Tartaria and destroyed it here in the United States on orders from the Lodge, uh, from the from the Khazarians who created the Freemasons in Europe and control them to this day. So if you get up to be 33rd degree Freemason, and, um, uh, and from that point on, you know that you're, uh, well, at that point, it's far too late for you, but you know you're being controlled by the Khazarians, and there ain't shit you can do about it, except, yes, sir, I'll do it. Um, anyway, so uh, we don't have a history of money. Uh, we do have, in many languages, in many historical records that have not been translated, we do have descriptions of ancient technologies. But again, these are like money. Once they start reaching into um, 
uh, the level where the descriptions are really exploring the technology, uh, isolating it, that is to say, putting it into a historical perspective and all of this kind of stuff, and it gets written down, that writing disappears. And except for those instances where it cannot disappear in the form of, you know, the, um, uh, the chiseled uh, bas reliefs and the glyphs and so on that we find in Mesoamerica. The um, uh, Gobekli Tepe is, a, um, is a, uh, a book, all those stones in the way in which they're arranged are a book about space aliens coming down here and doing genetic modifications on the life that they found here, not just humans. Okay, and we know this to be factual. So Gobekli Tepe refers to um, and shows a potato in Turkey, and the potato is a uh, North American, it's a an American uh, hemisphere food that did not exist before uh, the um, biblical times, and just prior to biblical times, when the L were down here genetically modifying people, they had to genetically modify foods as well. And so there was this one little tuber in um, South America that over the course of like no time that we can find, that is to say literally only a couple of years, that one little tuber uh, sprang up into over 300 varieties of potatoes that for the most part can be eaten by most humans. Now nightshade plants and all of that, but nonetheless, so we have uh, potatoes and tomatoes popping up uh, on their own, unbidden, and just dominating the uh, local agriculture thereafter. And so this shit doesn't really happen, right? And we don't know uh, uh, where the first person was that boiled the potato or any of this kind of stuff. Also, um, as part of our search of, of um, ancient literature and stuff, we have noted that almost all cultures have a um, an instance of a, a person of knowledge that tells them shit, right? Somebody that comes along, and usually it's pegged as a god, but these these persons of knowledge come along and tell them, you know, you eat, here's how you grow it, you eat it this way, you gotta boil the bugger or it's gonna make you really sick, you know, this kind of thing, right? Telling us all the rules that we even use to this day. And so, personally, I find these historical surveys, um, quite fascinating in the stuff that we learn. Uh, so at the same time that we um, see the potato or originating in um, uh, South America, we see maize originating in Central America and splitting off into 500 varieties of corn, um, a lot of which are not edible by humans. Some of them are, are specifically not edible uh, by humans, but are very easily digested by our uh, cattle and our horses and so on. And we, we don't use those corns now. Anyway, though, so, so we've gone really stupid. Instead of creating more varieties with uh, more options, we're reducing our varieties. And this, again, is part of the Khazarian mafia central control uh, sort of thing, right? Now, these guys don't have uh, the uh, intelligence and the acumen. They're actually quite stupid, most of them. Uh, so the uh, presumed um, and much vaunted Jewish intelligence doesn't exist, right? These guys are, are clever, but they're not particularly intelligent. We know this because there's very few Jews that ever get um, 
inventions, right, that ever do inventions. There's a lot of Jewish people that are on patents that claim inventions, but that's a different thing. Um, you don't see a lot of uh, Khazarians setting up shops for invention uh, other than, you know, they support our bio labs, that kind of thing, right? So anyway, though, um, there's other things in there. So we don't have, uh, so we have these hints of, of alien technologies being described, such as the Vaimani in, in uh, Sanskrit, but we don't see them translated over and worked in, in books and all of this. And those books that, that uh, do do that have a tendency to disappear from circulation. Uh, as they become old and they're sold, they're not resold. They're just bought up and destroyed. Nowadays, as I pointed out, the Khazarians have a real problem because all it takes is one copy <coughs> in order to get it digitized, and then anybody can print another copy, and it's off and running, right? And so it's a, um, uh, a very difficult time for the Khazarians in their control of history. Thus, my optimism in the... Um, uh, idea that we will get real human history and understand what the fuck's going on uh, as we go forward here over these next few years. Now, historically, um, the uh, use of money has been noted usually in our, our encounters with it in those writings that are uh, appearing at the end of these empires. Now, we have to be cautious in making conclusions because it is logical that you're going to have, uh, as a social order uh, arises and gets wealth and, and power and so on and so on, it is logical that we would expect that there would be more authoring, more writing at the end of an empire than at the beginning of an empire. Basically, you'd have some need for writing throughout the entire empire, reports and so on, but uh, it is only at the end stages of, of empire where you get um, uh, enough wealth that people have the freedom uh, of time to sit down and do things like contemplative or historical or etc. etc. forms of writing. And so we can't, we can't use that as a real metric as to when things are happening. But um, it's worth noting that we don't see any references to uh, money creation, all we see are things after the fact to its existence. So, very, very curious part of uh, our history and the things that are not there. Uh, again, the uh, alien technology, the archaeologically discovered technology, these kind of things. Now, we're actually encountering some uh, descriptions here and there in ancient works that uh, point to archaeological discoveries. And so we've got a, um, a couple of pointers to uh, what may have been uh, an ancient uh, UFO crash. Why these buggers crash, I don't know, right? You know, they fly through space, but they're just so lame they, they can't land? Uh, anyway, it's just... It's just odd, but nonetheless, we do have some historical references to such things, but you don't see them in our in our literature today, so they're not being carried over, and and I think this is quite deliberate. It's not a situation of uh, of um, people encountering a book in which the book uh, is from a, um, a previous civilization or a previous empire, and in that book they say, uh, you know, over here on top of this flat rock in on this mesa over here, 
uh, we found this uh, smashed up thing that looks like it flew from space and there was a dead critter in it and we buried the critter and look at all of the cool stuff that was lying around um, we we don't see these things being carried over in and investigated into the new uh, rising empire and a lot of this is quite deliberate in the sense that we see uh, deliberate mind control techniques being put out to uh, as these empires arise to say that the stuff coming from the previous empire is a bunch of horseshit you know that it's all uh, as we now say oh it's all a religious deal right it's all some kind of um, uh, imagery for meditation and not really a factual um, emergence of a space alien kind of the reverse of Corey Good. Corey Good came on to Gaia. He was the useful idiot that the CIA chose to, to destroy um, a burgeoning solid scientific approach to the UFOs issue. And, um, and Corey Good came out and said, yada, 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 all this shit is true. And in fact, now he's saying, no, nah, none of it was true. Okay. So I knew Corey Good was a, was a useful idiot. Um, or he was an idiot. I didn't know if he was useful or not at the time of his appearance with Gaia. Once I investigated Gaia, it became quite evident as to who owns the stock in Gaia and who is directing that firm. And at the time, Corey Good tried to force himself on Catherine Austin Fitz secret space program conferences. And in fact, it was Corey Good's appearance pumped up by Gaia that sucked all the wind out of that whole effort and polluted everything with his uh, stupid ass stories and destroyed the um, very solid scientifically based exploration of uh, stolen money, our back engineering of UFOs, all of these kind of things, right? Stuff that really fascinates me. I'm, I'm a techie and I want to get my hands on that tech. I want to understand how it works. I want to play with the shit. And so I got really pissed, you know, Corey Good coming out with his uh, horseshit stories and Catherine Austin Fitz's, it wasn't her conference, but I mean, she was one of the main um, pushers of it because she had the, um, she was the main force for it because she had the receipts on all of the trillions of dollars that had gone missing. And we're talking trillions upon trillions upon trillions. And it's all going into the space alien shit. And it's affecting and is affected by our current uh, money problems and it's uh, magnifying them all, and it, things are going to come to a head, I think, in 2023. That is to say, personally, in 2023 or 2024, I think more likely 23, but nonetheless, uh, we're, I'm expecting a uh, money collapse that will affect all of the black projects, shutting most of them down. Uh, some they won't be able to shut down. They'll have to do no matter what. And so maybe they'll have to pay those guys with gold or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, I expect that that'll shut down and we'll get the same kind of thing that we had with the Russians, only much more so. And that is to say, scientists that are popping up saying, hey, look at this critter. You know, I've been studying this tool for the last 20 years. It came out of an archaeological dig and we found it with this um, spaceship and we think it does X, Y, Z. So uh, I suspect that a lot of that will come out. Now, we're seeing in our historical examination gaps, okay? So as I say, there's no uh, discussion for the most part in modern literature of ancient 
uh, money creation nor ancient um, encounters with aliens nor uh, uh, archaeological encounters with the remnants of aliens and so there is a, uh, a deliberate done by the CIA I'm quite certain hey, just as a tool I mean they're not the operation they're under the direction of the Khazarians you know they're all 33rd degree Masons. they're all in the in the Freemasons uh, they're all blooded they've got dirt on all of them none of them can afford to ever say shit about any of their other guys because they're all in a criminal gang and the criminal gang leaders at the top will just have them uh, you know killed and dissolved literally put into a barrel with some chemicals some caustics and their body doesn't exist anymore um, so they can't afford to say shit. But I know that, that uh, or it's my conclusion, that the CIA was behind the disruption of the real secret space program conferences and that they chose to use Butthead Corey Good, that's my official name, that's his title, is Butthead, um, to use him as their useful idiot uh, to cause that to happen. And it worked. And it caused, and it, they had to put a lot of fucking money into it um, but it worked for their their purposes. There's no longer any of these uh, real solid scientifically um, uh, and, and financially audited kind of uh, secret space program conferences anymore. And in fact, I think probably all the secret space program conferences, even the, uh, you know, contact in the desert and all that kind of stuff is going to be uh, very difficult to resurrect, especially now that Corey Good has been... Um, had to acknowledge that he's a that he lied. Um, anyway, so uh, interesting, right? Uh, we're coming into the cusp year. Um, there's all of the aspects of the big ugly. Uh, we've got major die-offs. Uh, this is, in many ways, uh, we're replicating things that occurred in 1177 BC at the collapse of the Bronze Age. And um, how far we'll go in replicating that collapse of the Bronze Age, I don't know. Uh, but we're probably going to come fairly close, and for a lot of different reasons. But anyway, our um, our group at the Der Scheisberg Zweit is, um, uh, we're getting all whipped up, okay, because we have found that there is a uh, deliberate, uh, designed, planned, and implemented approach to the uh, destruction of, of specific elements of our history, as well as the distortion of everything else, including the timelines and all of this kind of stuff, right? Because, of course, you can understand that if, if you're going to remove things from history, like whole uh, subjects like the creation of money, you've got to have something basically in there to tie all this shit together and it fucks up with your your uh, timelines and stuff. So so you will see evidence for it if you go to look. And indeed, we are looking and we do see such evidence. It's quite fascinating, guys. Um, we're, we're investigating some of the uh, collapse issues now uh, from the Bronze Age because a lot of those do appear to go... So, all right, so let me just state that some aspects of the collapse of the Bronze Age seem to have a connection to money, right? And so we, uh, okay, we found uh, evidence of money being in use for the last 6,000 years, over the last 6,000 years. And 
uh, there are mm, uh, a certain, uh, there's a weighted amount of evidence that money was involved in the collapse of the Bronze Age in 1177 AD. And so we'll, um, got to pay attention to traffic and stuff here. So, um, just, it's, it's just interesting. So, uh, maybe the Bronze Age did not collapse because of all of the reasons that have been proffered, uh, throughout history, but maybe they collapsed because the banking system collapsed at that time, uh, you know, such as it was right. And, um, I'll go into that in some other discussion, but in any event though, so, uh, 2023 is going to be really cool. I suspect we'll learn a whole lot. And I also suspect it's going to be very, very, very disruptive at a level that we have not seen to people's mental states. Okay. So, uh, there's a lot of people that have yet to acknowledge that Fauci lied and there's no study anywhere that show that masks do squat to help anybody. Um, so, since these guys are, uh, are not even acknowledging something as recent as uh, Falky lying, and they're, they're either so stupid or so ignorant or so out of the loop that they just don't, uh, haven't gotten the word, or they're, they're in deliberate denial that it actually occurred, whatever the issue, they are still doing it. And so, I suspect that a lot of such people will be in denial about all of the uh, other information that will be coming on out that will be much more devastating to our collective understanding of who we are and where we are. Okay, guys, um, take care. We're here now and got to do stuff.